When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey yo, my lifestyle is retro. Tell the Phoenix Metro. Megas in control and he ain't never gonna let go. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith, and today I'm joined by the whole squad for the first time in what feels like forever. We've got Gerald, we've got Saul, we've got Espo, and we're at Four Peaks. How you guys doing? Hey, hey. Good. I got a question for you guys. Bro. Oh, sure. Why in the world would anybody ever graffiti a toilet seat? The actual toilet seat? Yeah, like seat? what? The, the effort that goes into that, like, and, and the disgusting nature of that is, is just beyond me. What prompted this question? I don't there's, graffiti there's graffiti on the graffiti toilet. Seat. <laughs> 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 it just made me wonder. Who Are does that? Are we talking that? about like the tank? No, the the seat that lifts like, up. Yeah. Oh no, that's way too much. Like, like that's the, just gross. Marking your throat. You I guess. Are you I lifting know. one cheek to do that? Like, <laughs> how are you even pulling that off? Like, it's just ridiculous. So I was like, I just got back, and this <laughs> is mean, what I have to I, start I mean, with. According to the chat, I just got rehired for this show, nice. so I'm glad to be back for a day. <laughs> Look, I, I saw, will be fired at the end of this show again. Uh, I saw so. Earl Watson in the title, and I thought, shit, and that's where I went to. Oh, so. dear God. <laughs> toilet humor is on the rampage. Humor. Literal and toilet here humor. Here we go. Well, we are at Four Peaks, uh, like we are every last Wednesday of the month. We're having some good food. We've got great beer. And it's time to announce our Toast of the Month sweepstakes winner. Yes. Drum roll, please. And the winner is one of our regulars, Chris, who also Hell happens yeah. to be here right Chris! now. Hell yeah, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> you won. You won. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's freaking did? out over there. She's like, what did I win? She's not sure what she won, but you won so, the Taste of the Month sweepstakes. She did. So Chris won herself a $50 Four Peaks gift card, a PHNX shirt of her choice, and a PHNX annual membership, which I believe she already has, so we'll have to kind of work through that. But just a reminder that now that we've announced this month's, that means next month's has already begun, and you can enter to win that same package of goodies over at gophnext.com right now, or click the link in our show notes. Also, as a reminder, to enjoy Four Peaks beer, which is really enjoyable, you do have to be 21 years or older, and we ask that you enjoy responsibly. Yes, please, very responsible. Okay. This is not my 16th today. <laughs> uh, a Phoenix in the chat said, how long y'all gonna be there? Probably to like five-ish, 5.30ish? Correct. Somewhere around there? Yeah, so come hang out if you've got time. Um, okay, so we got a few things we wanna talk about. Like we did yesterday, we'll kinda do some news and notes, things that happened on social media over the last 24 hours, then we're gonna continue our unsung heroes of the week. And today we're going to be talking about Earl Watson. So sit tight, everybody, because it's probably going to get a little bit spicy around these parts. <laughs> oh, but yeah. first and foremost, we'll start with something really gentle that we can all agree on. Mikel Bridges, sweet baby angel. Let's just ease us into this baby. Let's Mikel go. Bridges appreciation night last night with the D-backs. And he threw out the first pitch. And I think it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. good. It, Had some nice curve on it. It was just a bit outside, <laughs> but it's all right. 
considering the amount of he's been waiting all day to say terrible <laughs> throws that we've seen mm -hmm. historically yeah. from athletes who don't play baseball, I'm yep. like that's a positive. Like Javale McGee, it yeah. was it wasn't fifty cent. I mean, it, no. it was not that bad. So. No, just put it on the glove. That's all you can that's ask it. for. <laughs> that's it. If you guys that's haven't it. seen it, I think we do have the video, right? We can roll that. I don't know what Shane is saying. I can't hear Shane. I think, you said, no. I think you said no, that was not in the pregame notes. Gotcha. Yeah. My bad. Um, it is on social media. Our uh, PHNX underscore D-backs did share that video. So if you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. But shout out to Mikhail Bridges for having a good time last night, despite the score. And it was his birthday, right? Mm -hmm. so he goes out there on his birthday, and he gets treated to his team getting their ass handed to him. <laughs> I kind of liked it. Yeah, I mean, whom amongst us has not watched their favorite team just get shit on on their own birthday? I feel like it's a it's a common thing. It's a rite of passage <laughs> exactly. to be in Arizona. Once you become an Arizonan, that's mm -hmm. that's part of the the prereqs for that. Yeah. So I, I usually dodge it on most uh, most uh, games, but yeah, because my 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 birthday's on Labor Day, basically, and yeah. so. College football, usually you got the gimmies, and right. so I don't really have too much disaster <laughs> going on around that time. So. It is U of A. Nothing's a gimme, so let's be honest. <laughs> You're a sellout. I hate you. <laughs> That's tough. We do have... When I talk about Arizona fans, I never bring up Espo, because <laughs> he's not. I don't count. No. no. I mean, no. On, on the Mikhail Bridges front, we do have the video of him addressing a question that we haven't been able to ask him for a while as far as how he's dealt with the trade rumors, so here's what he had to say. Mikhail, um, on a note of being grateful to be here, the, the offseason, seeing your name plenty in trade rumors, what was all that like? Does it feel like it's kind of official? Uh, you know, you guys have the bulk of your group coming back now? Yeah, um, yeah, just stuff like that you can't control. It just kind of just work out and keep doing what you got to do and, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, just happy everybody's here, everybody's back, and um, just can't wait to get back to work. So kind of a canned response, but had to be asked. Even on his birthday, unfortunately, I saw a lot of people saying, leave the man alone on his birthday. He was fully prepared for these types of questions. Yeah. It, at least he's wanted. Yeah. I mean, he is. <laughs> I guess you could look at it that way. <laughs> yeah. It's better to be the one that's like a part of the trade, but like you're a key part of the trade as opposed to just, you know, like, oh, uh, we had to fit the salary cap numbers. So we'll throw this guy in too. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah. better be Mikhail than Jay Crowder. Yes. A million percent. Also, shout out Gerald. Thank you for reading the show notes. That's the video that I thought I was <laughs> referencing earlier on when I was talking about his first pitch. So at least you're doing your homework. <laughs> what are teammates for? <laughs> you know, usually the host has to read the notes, but that's all right. <laughs> well, you know, it happens. Okay. Shall we talk about our unsung hero? No. No, no, wait. No, we got we one other topic. place to go. Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> Do you, uh, you know it, start it's start over? You're literally you're staring, staring at it. I wrote it. You're staring at it. I was guys, like, wait. Did, I'm struggling. I, I literally <laughs> looked over. I was like, I thought this was the other topic before we got Again, to that. Lindsay's, Please drink responsibly. Yes. Lindsay's, yes. <laughs> Lindsay's <laughs> glass is straight vodka. Yeah, that's all it is. Okay, I'm drinking a uh, peach ale, by the way, by Four Peaks. Let me try again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. We have one more thing we do want to discuss that hit social media in the last 24 hours, and that is this tweet from Greg Moore. He said, am I the only one who thinks Russ could fit in Phoenix? Because Russ could fit in Phoenix. Saul, you have thoughts. I know that. Next, next question, please. <laughs> that, 
that is one way to respond to this. <laughs> if, there De- is a- if it's good enough for oh, Devin no. Booker to say to Greg Moore, I will say the same thing. Hey, listen, I, I, uh, Russell Westbrook would be a terrible fit in Phoenix. Yes, he will be an awful fit in Phoenix. There's no, there's not even one logical way that I can think of how he would fit into this offense or defense and be seamless. No. There's just not. No, look, look, it's time for some Greg on Greg crime. Okay. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> yes, you are the only person that thinks this, Greg Moore. There is no reason that Russell Westbrook, for a myriad of reasons, would fit on this roster. First off, he makes $44 million this year. So what are you going to do? You're going to trade Chris Paul and a bunch of people to bring in Russell Westbrook? No. You're not going to have a $44 million guy, dollar guy on your bench either. And then in subsequent tweets, he says, oh, well, imagine the energy that he'd bring to the bench and, and how he doesn't care and he go, you know, he's freewheeling. We have that. His name's campaign, and that didn't work last year either. And it's cheaper to have campaign filling that role. Look, I get it. If you were getting Russ, the triple-double machine from years ago, to come in here, you could make an argument. But the shell of a man that's in, in L.A. right now is not a guy you're going to go get. And you're not going to throw the Lakers a life raft at all in this. It, it's ridiculous. I, don't, I do not understand how anybody would think that that was even remotely a good idea. And then he, he fills it out with, I think I'm going to call some GMs and some front office people because I think this is a really good idea. Look, the Lakers just traded for Pat Bev, and they're going to upgrade at that position so they could get rid of him. Like, that's – I'm sorry. I, I just – I can't. Even the on a the, buyout, I wouldn't do yeah, it. The only way you could see it – maybe potentially happening is on a buyout if Monty feels like okay maybe we can just test it out for a few minutes and see how it goes maybe that is that's just so far from from what this team is really all about what Monty's all about what this what what Chris Paul's all about I couldn't even have the Chris Paul in practice with Russell Westbrook not losing his mind no, it's it's paying Nordstrom prices for Walmart quality right now. If you get him at his forty-four million, <laughs> and Damn. I do not, I do not Damn. see even if he was on a veteran minimum, why you'd take that flyer. There's I, other guys I'd rather go after that aren't going to disrupt things and aren't going to be the same problem you had with your backup point guards last year. Right, because you're assuming that he would buy into a backup role, and you saw how long it took like Carmelo Anthony to accept yeah. that he was a sixth man in this league, and the, he was deeper into his career than Russ is now. Like Russ still views himself as a starter, and it's nothing against his character or who he is, but like at this point in his career, he's a terrible defender. Half of his jump shots hit the backboard without hitting the rim. Like he's just, he's not he's a shell of himself at this point. There's no reason it's, for it. No. You know I, what I will say is this though about Russell Westbrook, and and maybe this is where Greg Moore was trying to go. I I do appreciate Russell Westbrook's career more than I think most people do, just because. I mean, he legit was a walking triple-double every mm-hmm. single night. He averaged yeah. a triple-double for a whole season. It's just once he got to the Wizards, things just kind of started to go awry, and he just has not been the same player since. And then you team him up with two superstars. Granted, one of them's made out of glass and paper mache and is never on the court. Um, and the expectation was, okay, we got that third person that can help LeBron carry the load. And he didn't even come remotely close to that. That means, guess what? Your time's done. Like, your time's done. You have maybe a year left in the league, 
and then you're probably on the outs because nobody's going to want to touch you because you don't really have a specific skill set that a team can identify and say, we need that. Yeah. He, he doesn't have any of that. I mean, that's, that's just kind of the style of play he has. Eventually, you fall off a cliff. Yeah. And he's, he's done that. And I just, I don't get it. We're at the point where it's, hey, guy who used to be, be good may be available. Let's just say, should the Suns get him? Because it's, it's clickbaity, right? Well, and not only that, but that's something that you can point to historically for this franchise, right? Like, let's move away from going after superstars after they've yeah. left their prime. We have superstars on our team. Let's actually target really good players who are really good players right now. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing I keep talking about. Because you, here, here's a good case in point, okay? Last year, the Lakers. You had Russell Westbrook, past his prime, not playing very well. You have Carmelo Anthony, past his prime, but he can shoot. He has one discernible asset that you can see and take and say, okay, I can fit that into here, or I can fit that into here. Like, Carmelo has that. Can't play a lick of defense, can't fucking pass for shit, can't run the offense for anything. But if you ISO him, he will get you a bucket. Russell Westbrook doesn't have any of those, and that's the problem. And that's why the Lakers have made such a fatal flaw in trying to make this work and getting him in the first place when they really didn't need to do that at all. Right? If he goes anywhere, he's getting traded to Indy. Probably. Probably. Yeah, and and like if as Russ's athleticism continues to diminish, it's only going to get worse from here. It's not going to oh, suddenly yeah. fix itself. He's not going to discover a jumper. So I saw someone in the chat say they would trade Chris Paul for him. Not on your life. Chris Paul, as bad as he was in that playoff series, he just made all NBA. Stop it. Well, Stop and it. the hard part, too, is, and you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, is that if Westbrook still sees himself as a starting point guard in this league, and he joins a team like the Suns where he wouldn't be that. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about screwing up the chemistry. You're talking about potentially blowing up that locker room and causing chaos and strife that doesn't need to be happen. That, that we don't need. Mm-hmm. We got enough things to worry about than what relationships in the locker room look like from outsiders. I do. I mean, there is a part of me that kind of feels bad for Russell Westbrook. I feel really bad oh, yeah, for him. Of He's been oh. through it a lot. And I feel bad for NBA players and just athletes in general who get to this part of their career where they feel like they still have something to offer. And the rest of the world is like, nah, you're washed. Get out of here. Like, like we literally just discard them. Oh, yeah. And it's so sad. <laughs> it's it also the, the the nature by way by the way Russell Westbrook plays. It's, it's very... Not outlandish is not the right word, but I mean it's it's aggressive. It's in your face. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's like you can't miss them out there, mm. which which makes it even more difficult to just ignore what's going on on the court. You know, like Gerald said, every shot goes up. It's a backboard, and and we're we're running <laughs> the running. break the other way. It's three on two, two on one, all <laughs> yeah. over again. Like that's just how it is. He's like, starting the break. <laughs> it is. It, I mean, he is the break starter for sure. You know what I mean? And that's that's the hard thing to ignore. But uh, no. Hell no, no to him being on the Suns. Not even close. Not even in any realm of possibility. I don't feel sorry for a guy who's made $288 million in his career. Just because some, some somebody point, is a millionaire doesn't mean they're yeah, not a I human being as well. To that. At some point, you have to accept that I, your your skills have diminished. Yeah, sure. So, but, but so why is that? Well, but, he, he's but, making $44 million and and doesn't deserve it at this point. What's the problem with saying that? 
Uh, realistically. I mean, all because he's making $44 million doesn't mean I can't feel bad for the way his career is ending up. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of players have gotten the, you know, their just desserts and they've gotten, you know, the, the, the praise and the love towards the end of their career like they should. But for whatever reason, Russell Westbrook, since day one, has been a lightning of controversy and he hasn't really done anything like off the wall he hasn't committed any crimes he hasn't been drug tested like busted for drugs he hasn't done any shit he's just like he just a, he's just now. a different personality that's all it is and that's what it's boiled down to and people try to crucify him for it and that's what he, i don't like he got his praise in in the year he averaged but triple doubles still, they kissed his ass like dude, look this dude, is the reality of sports oh my god at some point you I'm fall so, off a cliff and people stop kissing your ass dude even the year that he averaged a triple double people were like oh is he just trying to stat stuff is he just trying to they always made well, an he excuse was. no he wasn't yeah. he was leading his fucking team to victory because he played in OKC and they didn't have shit to show for it. We're back. God. Saul's back. We're back. Fucking A, man. Look, I will say, <laughs> by all accounts, a lot of the people that have talked about Russell Westbrook, <laughs> like our unsung hero this week, had nothing but positive things to say about the person that they are to teammates and off the court and whatnot. And a lot of that is what we don't see because a lot of what we see, and this is something the chat brought up, is those kind of outwardly, curmudgeonly post-game interviews where he's just kind of a dick to people asking okay, questions but like and is there like, a reason behind why he's being a dick not all of the time but no. some of the time at least some of the time but that doesn't justify hey. being a dick just to be a dick hey, like he does well, that sometimes I, I will say this i <laughs> this is it here we go yeah. all right so gerald's the reporter gerald is in those locker rooms so i can see how you identify with that i think there's also some something to be said about journalists that try to find a reason to hate on you oh, and yeah. I, think, I think russell westbrook was the victim of that uh, a lot of times while he was in OKC. He was doing that before the people turned on him in OKC, though. Like, that was a, that was a common thing that was kind of permeating through the media at the time was, like, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, they can be kind of dicks what? sometimes, what? which is fine. Like, whatever. Come but on. Come on. it is you've, what it is. You've heard some of the dumb questions that can be asked yeah. in that room. Again, after a game. again <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's justified. I'm not sitting here, like, putting on my hat for the media. I'm saying... <laughs> You don't have to be a dick all of the time I know to the media. I know there's a fact where there has been several times when you've been in front of a guy in the locker oh, and yeah. somebody asked a question and even you were like, this motherfucker. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but that's not all of, of the world. But he does that like on a, if you're doing it on a nightly basis, it's not because you're getting dumb questions over and over. I don't know. I sat in a lot of those <laughs> and there are some dumb questions <laughs> over and over and over. My man Gerald doesn't do that. He's the only one that they should be kind to every time. But others ask <laughs> oh, some really stupid they shit. They love the girth. So, they right. really do. They're all right with me. <laughs> oh, that's that's just a general thing. They love the girth. It's true. Oh, so. No. so we got a super chat from Pugs and Hugs. Thank you for your super chat. Said new studio looks amazing. Thank you for the great content. <laughs> uh, Pugs that's and great. Hugs. Thank you for the compliment and the super chat. This is actually Four Peaks Brewery down in Tempe. Our new studio is still under construction, but we'll be in there. Uh, yeah. Listen, soon. there will be beer. Listen, will the be Ark beer. wasn't built in a day, okay? Just give me some time. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of storm are we preparing for? <laughs> but shout out to More Furniture, who hooked us up with a lot of the uh, furniture pieces that we needed, both for our office and for our set. So hopefully you guys will get to see that soon. Um, if you are interested in checking out their Labor Day sale, visit morefurniture.com. That's morefurniture.com to get all of your furniture needs. Okay, now can we move on to the unsung now hero? Part no, of you, the show? you missed it. That no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can. 
Like we did yesterday with Ricky Rubio, we are going to make the case for why or why not Earl Watson deserves some flowers for and credit for where the Suns are at currently. So, the three main topics that we're going to discuss today, Devin Booker still credits Earl Watson for his growth. Um, he helped reach, he helped Devin reach a franchise record 70 point game, and he recognized that the Suns culture needed to change. So let's first dive into Devin Booker still credits Earl Watson for his growth. Anybody want to start? I think this one is a fair, a fair one to point to, not just because, you know, he was Devin's head coach, but he was also his developmental coach beforehand. Lots of conversations, lots of, of nights and, and, and days spent with Devin working on him. I think that is, is a fair part of this assessment. Do I give him full credit for Devin? Of course not. Devin was a, a hell of a talent coming in, had the right attitude coming in, but to say Earl Watson did not play a part in that development would be unfair mm-hmm. uh, to the man. I, you can say a lot of a lot of things, and we will about Earl today, but uh, I don't think you can take that away from him. I think he definitely helped Devin uh, develop early in his career, and you know Jeff Hornacek kept him on the bench for the first half of that rookie season. Didn't hardly played him at all, and the second Earl took over. Devin started getting major minutes. Without that, I don't think we're where where we are with Devin Booker. Well, I think that's the that's the key right there is that he established the confidence at the NBA level for Devin Booker, or at least aided it. You know, I, I know Devin talks about you know like Earl was the first one to kind of believe in me at this level when there was a lot of doubts. There was a lot of doubts. You know, you didn't know. I mean, he was the sixth man coming off the bench, and a lot of people were like, "Well, if he's the sixth man coming off the bench for Kentucky, like." What, what's that all about? You know what I mean? But, I mean, Kentucky is Kentucky. Right. And, uh, and Earl Watson definitely deserves the credit of, of, of seeing the future mm-hmm. and seeing what Devin Booker had in his game. And so, for sure, he absolutely deserves credit for that. Well, beyond him just, like, giving him that go-ahead when he took over as the head coach, it was all the stuff he was doing before he took over as the interim head coach for the Suns. They were in the gym night after night on practice days non-required work mm-hmm. him Devin yeah. and Devin's brother at ASU going hard working on all the things and one of the things that Earl said that he asked Devin pretty early on before they or when they were starting this extra work on the side was just how good do you want to be and Devin told him one of the greatest to ever play the game mm-hmm. yeah. and that's when it really was like okay so let's do this if that's what your goal is I'm in your corner 100% I will go above and beyond in the same ways you go above and beyond to make you become what you want to be. And like, if Devin still talks about it to this day, yeah. years later, now that he's this established in his career, he purposely po- points out Earl's um, impact on him, then you can't even argue that Earl didn't have an impact on him. Who is your Who is your mentor, Gerald? Like, in a, in a journalism sense, who was your mentor? And it wasn't that guy. <laughs> I mean, it was a couple of people, honestly. Like, my high school teacher was the one that kind of cultivated my love of writing in general. And then by the time I got to the media room, it, it was Paul Coro, it was Espo, it was the people that had been me. there, that had been there and, and were kind to me and took me in and, like, accepted this random kid that was suddenly showing up at Suns games. So that was important to me. And, and I definitely know without kind of looking up to them as an example at that time, and them not only looking up to them but them giving me the enthusiasm back like yes you belong here yes you can do it 
And because they're not in your life right now doesn't mean that they didn't have any less of an impact on you as you were growing up. Right. right. And I think that's what Earl Watson did for Devin Booker to yeah. a T. But the thing is, is that they still have a relationship. We yeah, are, yeah, like yeah. It may not be as the, the same type of relationship, obviously, when Earl worked for the Phoenix Suns, but they still have a relationship. They talk often. My question is, if you insert developmental coach, whoever, in there, other than Earl, how much of it's different? We can't answer that question, uh, you know, necessarily. But I just, I think Devin was the kind of guy that, regardless of who was there with him, you were going to get that kind of, uh, you were going to get that kind of effort and that kind of passion to be in the gym all the time. Now, Earl ha- had people that had helped him along the way uh, that I think gave him an insight that may have helped take Devin to another level. But I, I still wonder if it's anybody other than Earl Watson, are we still here? And I think no, the answer is yes. No, because I think all of the the rest of the timeline is what really makes it different, right? The fact that they started when Devin wasn't getting a lot of playing time, working out in the gym, doing the extra stuff, and then the minute that Earl got the interim head coach call, he said, F it, Devin, you're out there. This is your team. Go learn, make mistakes, learn from your mistakes, all that kind of stuff. Take over. Let's show everybody that you can be this person and gave him the space to do that. Had it been another coach, he probably wouldn't have gotten that. So I think the whole, you have to look at the big picture of the timeline as to why Earl was important in this. Right. I I think with Earl, I think it's fair to question how, just how much of an impact he would have had on Devin Booker's, because that drive, that hunger, that dedication to work on his game as religiously as he has throughout losing seasons, that doesn't come from anybody else. That comes from within. But I do think Watson turned over the keys to Book as soon as he got put in charge in a way that other coaches might not. And honestly, you could argue it might have been to the detriment of the team because Earl Watson's main focus, and we'll talk about this with the 70-point game, sometimes it did seem like it was empower Booker first and everything else come second because he saw the future, like Saul said. I think he knew what was coming for Book. He saw greatness early, and he was like, the re- look, if we're going to be honest, the rest of this roster is not it. So we're going to pour our resources, the majority of them, into the one guy who maybe one day could lead this franchise. And it did pay off in that way. Not for him. There's a reason he has the 10th worst win percentage in NBA history among all head coaches. He wasn't very good in terms of wins and losses. But he did empower Devin Booker in a way that he needed that confidence early on. 33 and 88, right, I believe was the <laughs> final tally. Not great, Bob. No. no. <laughs> Shout out to Sean for giving me a beer. Appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> they didn't cut and him the off. Chat. He and wasn't the chat cut off. for all trolling you for asking for more beer. Um, yes. I do have a direct quote from Devin that I want to read to you guys just because I think it really drives home some of this um, early on, the importance of, of Earl's relationship with Devin early on. He said, Earl threw me in the fire. He gave me the chance to go out there and make mistakes and play through mistakes, which a lot of young players don't get the chance to do that in this league. So having a coach behind you like that, that believes in you to that degree, that gives you a confidence that you have never felt before. And I'm not saying Devin wasn't already a confident person. He wasn't confident in his skill or his potential in basketball. But I am saying that having, like you said, having somebody who affirms that you belong and that you can do all the things that you have set out as goals for yourself to achieve goes a hell of a long way. Long way. Yeah, it does. 
Okay, shall we talk about our next bullet point? Yeah. Yes, please. Earl Watson helped Devin reach a franchise record 70-point game. Now, controversial <laughs> as it may be, mm. it did put Devin on the map to many yeah. more eyes than he had been before. And you know they say all publicity is good publicity, no, that's, right? That's bull <laughs> okay, that is bullshit. <laughs> Not all publicity is good publicity. Yeah. And the seven, the, the seven, uh, 70 points was the thing that I think still haunts him in terms of why people get on him so damn much about, uh, oh, he's not that good. He, you know, all we ever heard at the beginning was he's just a high volume scorer on a bad team. Uh, all this stuff has stuck around because Earl Watson force fed him that game. This is direct quote from Earl. During the game, he said, quote, I'm calling timeouts. I'm creating offense during the game. I can create a play within the game that we don't have. I'm about to put that pen to work we're about to get him going he was just designing on the fly to try to get Devin points right and then then late in that game Jay Triano comes up to him and says quote book has 64 and and Watson replies I said no shit this had a bounce play about to be for him <laughs> like good <laughs> shit I just think hell yeah I just think That's they force fed that shit Fuck so damn much yeah. and I, I love care. I love the 70 point game but I don't like how it how it painted Booker unfairly in, in this light because that wasn't Devin Booker going you know what fuck all these guys I'm taking every shot it was Earl Watson making a concerted effort to literally make up plays on the fly just listen, to get Devin Booker points listen haters are going to hate right. regardless yes. and because because the Suns were such a bad team that's the reason why it was glorified to the level it was. But you haven't heard that shit since they've been winning. You know what I mean? Like, he's a legit scorer, and people recognize that. And I'm going to sit here and say this. I know the 70-point game is controversial. I get it. For some but you know what? fucking reason. You know what? <laughs> I, I if you don't like it, fucking stop it, Boston. <laughs> and they couldn't stop it. They right. couldn't stop it when that train started going down those tracks. They couldn't stop it for shit. And I don't care. If I'm a coach... And Devin's got 64, and I'm like, mm, pretty close right here. Yeah. Uh, might as well make some uh, fucking history since you got nothing else to root for. Okay, right. if that's the way you're going, though, why did Earl let Jimmer Fredette jack up all those shots when Devin had another shot at 60 or 70 no, I did, in that I did, point? I, did, I, did, I, I don't know. I his ass at that point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you let Jimmer. I think Jimmer. <laughs> I would have been like, Jimmer, 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 the way that book has been painted because they lost that game, I think by double digits, yes. it was painted as, oh, he dropped 70 and they still lost. Like it was a joke, especially with the picture that they all took in the locker room. But at the same time, that's kind of similar to something that Monty and the Suns do now as far as celebrate everything. Like, and they had very little to celebrate back then. So True. if you're going to make history, go for it. And I think Watson, you know, it didn't take, like you're saying, book got criticized for it more than anyone. But Watson did his best to put it on him. Yeah. He was literally saying, like, that. yeah, I don't care. I was fouling intentionally to get him points because that's history. And I think he understands, like, all the opinions and the narratives on it will die down. At the end of the day, when you look at the all-time great highest scoring performances, Book is going to be there. And I, I don't give a shit how they got there. I do appreciate that Watson was empowering him in that way and like yeah you're the guy like we're going to continue to feed you we're going to make history for you and like i said earlier even if it's to the detriment of the team 
we're going to empower you and give you the keys to the car. I, I need to know this, Espo. You were there. Like you, I, I mean, I, I wasn't. You, you weren't there, I wasn't in Boston, there in Boston, but you were. But you were part of the organization at that time. For, for what for, was for sure. what was that? What was that experience like when that I, shit went down? I wasn't with the team for the when seventy it point game. She was working for the team, I believe. Yeah. I had left uh, that year before oh, when Earl took over there. the the half of. Okay, the Lindsay. What was that like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was an away game, and we weren't on. We I at least was not on that road trip. But I remember um, I was watching on my phone, and it was about to die and I was out and I was literally like frantically trying to find a charger to finish watching the game but as far as what I remember everyone that I was around in that organization was stoked for book yeah and there were some people who were like Earl got real spicy after the game with some of the things that he said and then half of the organization was like yeah but he should have said it yeah like like Earl was literally to reporters who were asking him questions like you could say were controversial or dumb or baiting or whatever. Why would you do that? Mm. Why would you think that that's a good thing? Does that represent your team and Devin and all these things? Well, and Earl basically said, I literally don't give a shit. Mm. What are you going to do about uh, it? Again, he got I, 70 points. What will, are you going to do about it? I will always die on this hill. If you don't like something in sport, then stop it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't stop it, shut the fuck up. Oh, <laughs> like, I, seriously. Look, I get that from, from the Celtics. If the Celtics are complaining, yes. Yeah, they were talking the about word, the Which game. they were. Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder being one of them. Yeah, yeah. fuck Jay Crowder. And, and I'm, I'm fine. No, no, no. We can say that in a few months when he's not here. Anymore. I got the shirt. I can say uh, it anytime look, I want. Shirt. Look, I just... Paul uh, paid the money to get the shirt. shirt. This is true. You can say it. No, look, I don't mind... I get that mentality with the Celtics complaining about it, right? But to me, that showed some of the immaturity and the flaws of Earl Watson as a head coach mm-hmm. in the league as well. Uh, it just just his approach to it. Now, like I get it, it's it's history. But they did lose by double digits. He was fouling in that final minute, and you could claim, oh, he's trying to win. But they were down by at one point, I believe, 15 in that final minute or so and he's still fouling and trying to get him there like is are you telling me 64 versus 70 and and fouling in those in those last in that last minute uh, is that big of a what do you you remember though i would have remembered 64 too because it would have been the franchise record you would have remembered but not everyone would have remembered 70 is like 70 yeah it's like the next benchmark we have seen 60 70 we don't see very very often no i I, I 70 was approaching Kobe level. Right. Because, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. true. You know what I mean? And I, Charles, I, I, th- go ahead. I think there is something to be said for a coach that's willing to go to bat for his players, even if he's yes. not a good coach, even if it's, you know, immature-ish or whatever to other people. I think all that mattered to Book in that moment was getting that kind of milestone that early in his career and having a coach that was like, hell yeah, we're going to pump you up. Like, that's what you were – that's you are the guy. You're the man. And also with Earl Watson specifically, and I know we're about to get into this, but he needed as many allies as possible. Who better to have as an ally right. on your side than Devin Booker, who who is eventually going to be the face of the franchise? Oh. And and listen, his support of him obviously it didn't end up meaning anything in terms of his longevity with the franchise, but it did still mean a lot to Devin Booker, and that's why they still have a strong relationship to this day. And I'd rather have an advocate that has my back all the time, knowing that I supported them when they needed it most, 
than than just you know okay well I'm just gonna bench Devin Booker because uh, we're trying to win a game even though we've only won like fucking 20 on the season. No, I I get that, and and to be fair, having that advocate actually got him the full time job yeah, because the, exactly. it was the player's view of him why he got. Uh, got hired full-time after being the interim, uh, and the player's view of him only. I mean, like, it was literally dictated uh, by Sarver, I believe, that this is our guy because the players like him. Yeah. yeah. So so without the without those relationships, and in particular Devin, he doesn't get a head coaching job. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So. Yeah. So. Okay. Our final bullet point. Mm-hmm. Earl Watson recognized that the Suns' culture needed to change. How do you guys feel about the impact that Earl had on the Suns' culture needing to change and then to where it is now? I think as head coaches, I think they get far too much credit when things go right behind the scenes and far too much blame when things don't. Um, I I know my, like people like to think that Monty Williams has created this culture inside Phoenix. And to a, to a certain extent, I agree. But I also think that that went hand-in-hand hand with James Jones being a part of this franchise as well and them kind of controlling things and then obviously the investigation behind this like Sarver had to take a step back and let other people kind of run the show for a little bit I think Earl Watson while his 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 heart and his head might have been in the right place um, he just didn't have the the pull enough to really make the type of changes that obviously systemically they needed from top to bottom in this organization and still need uh, from top to bottom in this organization, so uh, I, I, I don't I don't agree with that part. I will say that Earl Watson is one of the best motivators that I've been around, and in the five plus years I was with the with the team, he was one of the best uh, talking to a group and really getting them to buy in. The problem was he didn't have the goods on the other end of it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the coaching ability, yeah. the X's and O's, the way to lead that portion of it that fell short. So, But, but who would with that squad? Well, but, <laughs> I mean, but it was different things. Oh, here we go. The people asked for oh. it. I got my uh, my stout milkshake, so there we that go. That looks even nicer than last it time. It does. There's it some does chocolate really drizzle. <laughs> they upped their game on this one. So nice. thank you to the friends at Four Peaks for the... Uh, Stout milkshake. But anyways, uh, he, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's tough, but I think you could tell that the basketball side of it wasn't there. Sure, everybody would have struggled with that roster, but I think you could see cracks in the way way that he did it. But I don't think you can can deny that after a franchise had bottomed out, and with Jeff Hornacek, I love Jeff, but he was the exact opposite. He had the X's and O's. He was terrible on the people side in terms of the locker room. He lost control of the locker room, uh, and and there were issues. It was basically divided into two factions. Mm-hmm. Earl found a way to to mend that. Hell, he even got Markeith Morris to come back and play for the two weeks before the trade deadline that helped get them a first-round pick for Markeith Morris when they dealt him to, to Washington, I believe it was. So... So Earl was a great motivator, but lacked the other side of it. And at some point, you can be all rah-rah you want and love and yoga, which was a lot of it, uh, you know, but but if you can't back it up with the basketball, it starts to fall on deaf ears. That's what happened. So he was a, a brick in that wall 
that became uh, it became the culture. But I would not give him a huge amount yeah. of credit for it in the end. Because there was so much change in between him and then also when Monty got here, too. Mm-hmm. Right. What I will say, though, is he's a man that stands for his convictions, right? Mm-hmm. And the, I, I don't know if I've told this on this show. I've told it in previous iterations. But the reason that Earl Watson got fired, and I have this sourced by two different people, uh, is Eric Bledsoe had Clutch Sports as his agent, uh, and Rich Paul in particular. So did Earl Watson. Sarver wasn't happy with the way that that Eric Bledsoe approached his contract and, and waiting till the last minute, all these things. He got super pissed off and told Earl Watson, you have to fire Rich Paul or I'm firing you. Right? Damn. So that's where the I don't want to be here tweet comes in because Eric Bledsoe finds out that this is what they're doing to Earl. Earl says, screw you. I'm not firing anybody. I'm not going to be held hostage by, by a guy like you. You're not going to force my hand here. Thus, why you see uh, it, those first three games, mm. the team comes out completely wow. flat like nobody gives a shit because they're all pissed off about the situation. Earl gets fired, uh, but still gets all his money. So in the end, and he keeps his agent, he keeps his word uh, and stands up for, for what he believes in. Uh, so in the end, he shows these guys too, and in particular, Devin, you stand up for what you believe in, too. And that man stood for what he believed in. I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. I, I will say that was probably, because that was, I think that was year two or three for me on the beat covering the Suns. And that was probably the lowest point in my Did coverage of the team. Did you also say in your head, I, don't, I really don't want to be yeah, here? Yeah. I was legitimately <laughs> thinking about, like, changing careers because covering that team <laughs> was, rough. was, was worse than covering rough. a G what? League team. Yeah. They Why got do you think I left? By, yeah. They got blown out by 48. The players were all miserable. Nobody was reading my shit because who wants to read about a team that loses by 48? Like, I was like bro, what am I doing here? <laughs> this isn't an NBA team. I would tell people, you know, like when you have a cool job like this mm-hmm. and you tell people and they're like, oh, that's cool. I would tell people I write this about the Suns and like, oh, oh that I'm sucks, sorry. man. <laughs> I'm like, the fuck? That's not supposed to be the reaction. That's what Lind- happens to Lindsay when they tell when she yeah. tells people she yeah. works with us now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's sad. It's true. But yeah. look, no. as far as the culture in Earl Watson, I, I will just say that I think he definitely identified, Lindsay, like we've talked about before, that the culture needed to change. And he was one of the first to talk about, you know, these pillars of love and brotherhood and all these different things that are very similar to some of the stuff that Monty preaches now. The difference is I just don't feel like there was any substance behind it. As for we've talked about the X's and O's, but they're just... It just kind of, after a while, it felt like he was just pulling from motivational posters with the things that he was saying, and it didn't feel like it came from a place that could back it up. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he talked the talk, but he didn't walk the walk, because he would, he dropped the word love more times than a freaking Beatles album in every press conference, and by game, like, 50, when they're, they've got, like, 15 wins, I'm like, dude, I don't want to hear about love. <laughs> like, we're past that point. I don't want to hear about how Marquise Chris is the next Draymond Green, which is an actual comparison he made. Like, he, it just felt like he didn't get it at times, but the players liked him because he was their dude, and, and that's a positive asset as a coach, but you got to have the other knowledge and everything else to back it up. Yeah, it is pretty bad when he thought all you need is love as a coaching strategy handbook <laughs> and not lyrics to a song, but uh, yeah, I, it's, t- it's totally true. He didn't have, he, he, Monty Williams is 
uh, what you were promised with Earl Watson, right? It's the fulfillment of that promise, it feels like. But I I hate to, to crap on Earl because I, I genuinely thought he was a good guy, but you're right. It came down to he loved to quote John Wooden, who he knew, <laughs> yeah. and Hubie Brown. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you started to just hear the same damn things from him uh, in those post-game press conferences. And what was once inspiring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, turned into again? We're yeah. hearing this yeah. again? Yeah. That, that first press conference, I remember, we both walked oh, yeah. away and we were like, believers, like oh, he, yeah. he sounded very like a man of his convictions who believed in what he was saying and who was going to help steer the ship in the right direction. <laughs> and that's it's funny that you kind of made that comparison to Monty Williams, to be honest, because, you know, it's like Monty is the evolution of Earl Watson. Mm-hmm. And if Monty is going to succeed and actually win a championship with this franchise, guess what? He needs to evolve as well. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we, we've been watching this team, and obviously they, they had some hiccups here in the playoffs um, and, and how, you know, his relationships with other guys. Typically when you have friction at a certain level, it's because the message is becoming mute mm-hmm. and guys aren't trying to hear it. So you have to identify that and you have to think of new ways to be able to engage with your with your employees or your players in order to get the most out of them. And some, some players just... They're never going to hear you after after a certain point. They're just never going to hear you, and that's fine. But I think when we 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 watch some of these sets, we talk about Da being more involved. We talk about you know uh, Devin and Chris being double teamed so much that they can't really do anything, and nobody else is stepping up. You have to be able to identify that and get the most out of these players. Not only just about the things you're showing them on the court, but the way you're verbalizing with them off the court. And I think that's something that Monty is going to have to grow to do because the good coaches the Phil Jacksons of the world, Pop, like they they understand the messaging from the greats that they've gotten and then they've enhanced on it because they've taken little bits and pieces. Like Chris Paul, literally the other day in his camp, he's talking about campers that are doing moves and he's like, oh, I, I registered I that. that. I learned from that. You know yeah. what I mean? You're never too old to learn something unless you're too obtuse to learn something. And yeah. so that's where I think Monty Williams could learn a little bit from Earl Watson and say, okay, this is where, this is the limit of his his reach. I need to modify mine and understand that it's not always going to be the same year to year. And while my relationship with these players might have been good, I can't put it on ice thinking that it's always going to be good. I got to be able to work on that and move around a little bit. And I think Monty will do that. Well, any any good leader has to evolve like that. Absolutely right. And and I think I'm glad you brought that point up because one of the assistants that he brought in over the summer, Patrick Matumbo from the Toronto Raptors, who I wrote about this morning on GoPHNX, shameless plug. Uh, (laughs) That was impressive. He wrote, one of his things that he said in a video that I watched from his Basketball Without Borders clinic in Africa was he was telling his campers to continually seek wisdom from others. He was pointing out on the internet now, you you can watch clinics of your favorite coaches. You can watch your favorite players put on their camps or whatever and learn from them. So he's a guy that that's one of his biggest things is always looking to others to better himself and learn from people who are smarter than him in certain areas. So I do think if there's one influence that Mutombo might have on Monty in that way, not to say that Monty's not doing this himself already, but it's that type of thing to seek wisdom from others. Um, And they already had a pre-existing relationship. And I know Monty has been big on like the way that he improved as a coach from year uh, two to three was pretty impressive. I felt like he was much more prepared on a night-to-night basis. The next step for him is obviously game-to-game playoff adjustments. But I do think 
Mutombo is a guy that kind of hints at this idea of, okay, who can I learn from? How can I learn from people that know more than me? You have to. Yeah. You have to. If you, if you want to be at an elite level, you have to learn from other people. Yeah. And you have to surround yourself with people that fill your your weaknesses. You know how many times Lindsay has told me that fucking idea sucks? <laughs> and I've, and, I've and, and she's right. And, and she's right about 90% <laughs> of the time. And at first, I'm always like, man, shit. I don't want to hear that. And then I sit, and then I go in my office, and I'm like, God damn it, she's right. She's right. <laughs> like, you just have to learn from your people. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, you suck too. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Um, I think there are, and I'm not going to get too far into this because we've had behind-the-scenes conversations. Y'all think I'm batshit crazy, so we're not. We don't have the time today. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I think there are a lot of similarities between Earl Watson and Monty Williams. There's a lot of differences as well. A lot of it in the approach and things of that nature. But at its core level, the way they approach human beings and the emotions and the the mental states of human beings we're talking specifically their players here, right, are very similar. They have very similar core values when it comes to how you treat people. The question is, is sometimes, or the, the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes an approach like Monty's might resonate with people more than an approach like Earl and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be able to really, and that's, a, again, with the seeking knowledge thing is, how do you learn to build relationships with so many different varieties yeah. of personalities when you're the head coach of an NBA team, because that's always going to be a constant struggle, no matter what, because it's a bunch of guys who are at the top of their craft, who have egos and and big personalities and small personalities and things of that sort. But I will say, I do think there's a lot of similarities between those two men. I don't think you're wrong in that. I think the difference is, you know, in some of the people that Monty has surrounded himself with, Monty came in and he had been a head coach before, had been an assistant for a very long time. We forget Earl Watson came into this, was two years in the G League as a coach, was a development coach, and then moved right. uh, moved to from the back row to the front row when Hornacek had to fire all his assistants, and then got hired three weeks later as the interim coach. Like, Had he had more time to develop as a coach, maybe things would have been different from the X's and O's side of things. Because people forget he was a hot commodity when the Suns got him. He was thought to be one of the next great uh, young coaches to to come through once he got experience. They just expedited the process, and much like they did with the young players in that time, Mm -hmm. they didn't give them time to grow. They just threw them in the fire and screwed that development up. And I think you could say that with Earl, too. If he had gone through similar to to Monty's path, maybe he is more of of what Monty is. But he didn't have the time to do that. Now he's in Toronto as an assistant. Maybe someday we see that play out for him. All right, before we move on, we have to take a quick break because I got to tell you about some more free stuff that we've got for you guys. Um, So our Flavoring Life sweepstakes with OGs. We also have the winner of that one, and his name is Miles. What did we decide on his last name? I can't see it. Turner. Oh, no. Uh, Unali. 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 Miles Unali at Miles Revenge on Twitter. Congratulations. Let's go, Miles. You have won um, the Flavoring Life sweepstakes, and that got you three bags of OGs, including their orange creamsicle and tropical flavors. And OGs had a PHNX shirt of your choice and a PHNX annual membership. And since that one's over, now we're starting a whole new one. So if you want to win that same package, head on over to gophnext.com or click the link in our show notes. 
You can also find OGs online at ogsbrands.com. You can find them on Instagram at ogsbrands, and you can find their products at your local dispensary. But just a reminder, you do have to be 21 years or older to purchase. And you know what goes really well with OGs? What's that? You guys want to take a guess as to where I'm going here? Vaccinations? Donuts. Hurt Donuts. <laughs> Open that. Gerald, you're close enough. Open this up. Show the people. Hurt Donuts. Can't really see hooked it. us there up with some hey, bomb hey, donuts beautiful. today. I'm talking like. like a donut smell talk in the afternoon. Let's go. One these, and the VHS yeah, box. Open the box. The box <laughs> is the cutest part. Like I'm going to Hurt Donuts just to get this VHS S box because it's super cool. And That's retro cool. looking, but the donuts are bomb. Good job. Uh, they got a whole bunch of oh, different flavors, wild varieties of things. And right now, you guys listen, Dude, this is important. Is cool. Oh, man. If you go to Hertz Donuts Tempe location for the next two weeks and you mention PHNX, you're going to get a BOGO round of donuts. Yeah. Nice. Buy six, get six free, baby. Let's go. There buy go. 40, get 40 free. There you go. I don't know what the limit is. I don't know is what the limit is. Buy go 600, go. get 600 free. There you go. go and it's drop PHNX. Definitely a buy one, get one situation over at Hertz Donuts. So check that out if you have not already. Okay. We got to wrap this one up pretty quickly here because we got a few more shows behind us. But screw them. Let's keep going. Anything else? Is there any other like personal perspective or anything of that sort as to show why Earl deserves or doesn't deserve flowers for where the Suns are right I, now. I will say this. In terms of believing in Devin Booker, that alone should get you at least a flower. So okay. I will give this man his flowers for... Listen, you could sit here and say that, you know, a blind squirrel could have seen that Devin Booker was the future. But not everybody believed that. And, and not everybody believed that he was going to be as an elite player as he ended up being right now. Mm -hmm. Like, if you didn't see it when he walked in that building, you were a complete and utter idiot. Well, it was pretty damn obvious, even to a novice like me. I'm just saying, like, a lot of people didn't believe. And, yeah. and so um, I will give Earl credit. And also on top of that, for, for backing it up and really following through in his belief of that, especially when he got put in the head position. And he was like, you know what? We're going to get this motherfucker 70 points well, tonight. Let's go. And he sat Brandon Knight, who was making 70-plus million yes. uh, in his contract. Uh, he sat his ass down on the bench, too, which was not a popular that decision. It takes stones. Mm -hmm. It does. And I'll give him credit for that. I'll give him credit for the Devin Booker thing. And that's probably as far as I'm willing to go, considering we've had three head coaches since then. It's hard to make a case for the Suns being, other than Booker, being where they are now without Earl Watson. Also, I can't think of Brandon Knight without thinking of that dunk. Yeah. And DeAndre. Uh, I, I used to. Oh, man. Yeah. DeAndre <laughs> Jordan. I, <laughs> I called him the walking dead in Phoenix. Oh, uh, you knew, you knew the end was near even after he signed that contract. Oh, that's uh, ruthless. Do you have anything else you want to add to the conversation uh, before we, we put a bow on it? Are we rating flowers? Yes, about yeah, you can go straight to okay, that. Okay. So on a scale of one to eight flowers, and yes, that is a nod to the Bubble Suns, how many flowers do you give Earl Watson? Mm, I'd say three. Going one flower for the Devin Booker thing. Yeah, I'm going to go right in between the <laughs> Lindsay's, two. Lindsay's mad at me. You can I'm have sorry. One, you one can have flower. Two flowers, one for give, pumping Devin Booker up. One, and two, the other, three. The other for <laughs> making it very clear that you were going to get every dime of your money from Robert Sarver in that contract. So. Hi, they. One, two, and three. Three, I'm cool with. Uh -huh. One and two... I was so disrespectful. Listen, we only got five minutes, so. 
for I'm you. I'm going to go three and a half. We've had three coaches since him. I'm sorry. Other than I, Devin Booker, four. I'm not. I'm and not those, gonna, those oh, other coaches in between him and Monty didn't really do anything as yeah. far as having an impact outside. Oh, no, I'll take that back. I do. I really do like Jake Triano as well. And then the whole Valley Oop play call that he, he made give us that. that gave us that major flowers. Hold for on. That. You're you're up my backside for two, and you only went one and a half stars more. Like, well, I was more mad at Gerald okay. for one. Okay, mad at me for she did one. Say one. I stand by you the one. You just got really offended for no reason because no, she was she attacking said, Gerald. She said one and two. She, she did said mention one, two, three. Me. Look, I'm I'm gonna say this. You always love your first head coach. This he was your fair. first head coach <laughs> in the job. Uh, I will stand for Alvin Gentry until the day I die. He was my first head coach. Earl was always good to team. me. That's all I'll say on that, that one. Same with not, Alvin. And I'm not saying the other co- head coaches were not. Right. I'm that, just saying I don't have, like, any sort of story or situation where I'm like, man, that guy was a dick. Real quick so. to Brian Catano in the in the chat. Derek Williams is playing overseas. I think he's playing in Turkey. He hadn't mounted shit. So, okay. yeah. so three flowers from Dagoon, three flowers from Aaron Lee, three and a half from Charles Coulter, and uh, – John says, I gave uh, five for that time here. And for, the, that Triano. was Triano. Triano. Oh, that's Triano. Triano. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, th- just for the you. Sure. And debt in the chat, you're not wrong. Igor was a good coach in a bad position, mm-hmm. as were a lot of people in the Suns organization. There were a lot of good people I, Igor involved in the Suns organization that were in a bad position. I forgot Igor, about Igor. Igor was a tragedy. Dog, you should have liked so- Igor. He was the one who fed Aiton. Oh, my God. No, he would only <laughs> talk about Shane. Devin Booker all the time. Shane's oh, trying to get us to wrap God. because the ASU show is coming up yeah. right yeah. after yeah. us. we got to wrap it up. Before Stall. we do, I need to tell you guys that the wait is almost over. That's right. A new football season is about to begin, and you can get ready for the NFL Week 1 action by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and using the promo code PHNX to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Again, that is promo code PHNX, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, we want you to stay safe and healthy. And COVID-19 vaccines are a great way to do that. And they are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov slash find vaccine for a location near you. I can't wait to give out more flowers tomorrow. <laughs> this is going to be so fun. You're not going to give out any flowers tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow, I am. Tomorrow's where I get on my soapbox. Tomorrow so. is definitely <laughs> this one. That's that's your game for sure tomorrow. But Friday? Saul, you got to come back for Friday. Oh, Friday's going to be, be contentious. Spicy. Oh, contentious. Yeah, Friday's going to be sp- you gotta spicy. you got to come back for okay, Friday. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll you that. heard it, guys. Saul's going I'll, to make I'll be, sure I'll be here he can Friday. come back for Friday. Friday. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you tomorrow, 2 p.m. on our YouTube page. Same place, same time as always. <laughs> if you can't make it, don't worry. You can always catch us on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe because it helps Five us stars, out a lot. Five Until stars. tomorrow, you can follow me on Twitter at LindsaySmithAZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Brookman. You can follow Gerald at Gerald. Borgay, and of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Be kind. Rewind. Ahoy, hoy. Hey, yo, my lifestyle is retro. Tell the Phoenix Metro. Megas in control, and he ain't never gonna let go. PHNX, though. Lindsey Gerald Espo. Saw past the ball. We here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me. Y'all always wreck the family. Rally in the valley like Dan G.